Hi, this is Jerry Cantrell, and you are listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 300. My name is Brando, and perhaps we have our biggest guest to date. Speaking of dates, his new album, solo album, Brighton, comes out October 29th. Talking about Mr. Jerry Cantrell from Allison Chains. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, man. What's going on? Not too much. I'm just, uh, I'm honored. I'm privileged. I want to do the Wayne's World thing. I'm sorry. Maybe, I don't know if you're good at taking compliments, but um, it's, <laughs> I mean, you just. Uh, I'm much, uh, much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, we'll get into a lot of things today, but, and it's not about my feelings. It's about yours. So I'm curious, are you also excited with, I mean, I, I got to imagine you are with Brighton coming out October 29th, but as a as a non-musician, I'm curious, when you, you're you working on an album, are you excited, are you eager, are you nervous about people hearing uh, Brighton in its entirety, October 29th? How do you feel? Yeah, I think you go through a whole range of emotions, you know. Uh, you know, being a, being a creator of, of work, you know, uh, of, of art, whatever the, whatever the form is, uh, you know, it's... The the path is usually pretty pretty thin. It's pretty pretty uh, poorly lit, and uh, and you just kind of are feeling your way uh, until you find your way to something. And so uh, that can be kind of overwhelming and intimidating, but it's also kind of exhilarating and uh, you know exciting when you when you fight through that and 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 come out the other side with with something that you really dig, you know and. Uh, that part of the process has always been, been, uh, attractive to me, you know, the challenge of that and, uh, trying to make, a not only songs, but, uh, a body of work and an album that, uh, that, uh, you feel proud of, you know, and, and that you want to share with the, share with the world. And even at this stage of your career with all your success, I mean, how do you feel, I guess, about putting out a, a solo record just by yourself? Is there a certain... I don't know. Do you feel like layers peeled away since all the focus is on you as opposed to everybody in Alice in Chains or other collaborations you've done? Is there more press, pressure, or less pressure with putting out a solo record? That's a different. It's 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 kind of the same, and it's kind of the kind of different at the at the at the same time. So, um, you know, uh, obviously the uh, it's kind of, it's almost a misnomer. You know, putting a record out by myself. You know, the whole solo the the record thing or whatever, but cause I, you know, it took a lot of people, sure. <laughs> to, right. a lot of people working with me on this, to, to make it happen. And that's the case with any record, you know, uh, it takes a village, you know, and, uh, you know, the differences are, it's, you know, the, the game is pretty much the same, but the, uh, you know, the players in the field are a little different. Mm. So I like that analogy. Um, I like that. Yeah. I don't want to talk sports with you later on. Cause I know you're, you're a sports guy. So, sure. So yeah. One of those people that helped you with the album, and, and maybe it's just a song. You have to educate me about it. 
uh, is Duff McKagan. Yeah. So Duff McKagan yeah. is he's on the single out uh, right now, Atone. And I know you guys go yes. way back, but before maybe we get some uh, more about your friendship with you and Duff and your Seahawk fandom. But how did this? Yep. How did this song come together? How did a tone come together with Duff? Uh, well, it's an idea that I've been thinking about for a long time, and never really, uh, never really found the the right parts to put it together uh, to be in, be kind of in its best form. You know, it's just a uh, uh, it was a thought, you know, and uh, and uh, it finally finally landed and came into being about a year and a half ago, and. Uh, um, you know, Duff, Duff was somebody I always have in mind. You know, he's, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, his band, his band was re- really influential on us, you know, when we were, uh, starting out, you know, they were, they were, uh, one of the key bands that kind of, kind of inspired us, you know, to, to form a band, um, as, as well as a, a handful of others. But, yeah, he. Uh, I think he only intended. <laughs> I think he only intended on playing like a, a song or two on the record. But once I got him over here, I'm like, hey, what, would you mind playing on one more? <laughs> hey, how about one? <laughs> one more? And I had him. I had him go through about uh, you know about six six or six songs or so. Oh and, wow! Uh, so it was probably more than he intended, but he got you know he's. He's so effortless uh, uh, in the way that he plays. His musicality is is uh, you know uh, unparalleled. You know the, the guy's just really super creative. Uh, he's written some of the greatest tunes and bass lines in rock and roll history, and he's just a cool dude, man. He's my friend. Right on. So I, I alluded to it before, and I just don't want to lose it. I know it's a silly question. I know you will care, uh, but it's about sports. So with the, uh, I actually, you know what? I'm going to ask a question, and this is going to lead into two sports questions, actually. Uh, this is from okay. uh, uh, Satya Mortha, who's from uh, Canada. So a more exhilarating experience opening for Metallica at Giant Stadium in 1998 or watching the Seahawks win the Super Bowl at MetLife Stadium? Yep. So which one was more exhilarating, opening for Metallica or watching the Seahawks win? Uh, they're both pretty cool, you know. Uh, they're they're both pretty cool, so it'd be tough to to pick one one or the other. Uh, I, I, I'd, I you know I'd, I'd probably have to probably have to lean lean with to the to the Hawks going to New York and seeing the Hawks just trash the Broncos. It was awesome, you know. Uh, and I was there with my buddy Duff, you know, and uh, and my friend Heather and and uh, Todd Shuss, our our, our longtime assistant. Uh, Baldy with Allison Chains. It was uh, pretty epic, you know. Right on. And finally, what, brought, finally brought it home. Yeah, and that's right on. And I, as a Giants fan, I was rooting for, for you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. And one more quick, this is just a quick thing before we go back to the album. So what do you think about the name Kraken, the Seattle Kraken, the new hockey team? You I think it's awesome. Fan? Okay, <laughs> right on. Uh, you know we're uh, we're 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 uh, we're a state of the sound. You know what I mean. So so uh, uh, a beast from the deep uh, is very apropos, I believe, in Seattle. The, the the Seattle Kraken kicks ass. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Sorry, I didn't want to lose that. I was thinking about that, and it's just something. If I ever get to interview Duff, I don't know because as a sports person that also likes likes music like you guys. Oh, we all dig it. No, yeah. we did. Sean Sean and I have talked about it. Duff few friends we we're, we're we're all behind the cracking that's that's awesome <laughs> I, I love it yeah we need to get a goddamn basketball team back 
Oh, I know. I got my Sean Kemp jersey in my drawer. So uh, I'm, that's that's still a, that's a, that, that's just a sin that we don't have have the Sonics back yet. See, I I knew it. See, I didn't want to go there. I knew it would be that would be uh, sensitive feelings <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. So the album is still a little, you know, a few weeks away. But Brighton coming out on the tenth. What can you tell us about the yep. uh, you know the title track? You know, it's a it's a really strong and straight up rock and roll tune. And uh, I just we just shot a um, really cool video uh, for it with uh, Gilbert Trejo. Uh, a really cool young director, a uh, lot of energy. His dad's Danny Trejo, and I was uh, wondering. Okay. Uh, yep, and and he's he's really talented, and and uh, it's it's a great song. And early on, you know, when we were kind of gathering material, uh, you know, my my uh, co-producer on the record, Tyler Bates, and and my engineer and co-producer Paul Figueroa, uh, you know, we all we all kind of you know, kind of gravitated toward that tune. And I remember uh, kind of thinking that that would be a great title for the record early on. And, and the guys were like, yeah, man, it's perfect. You know, um, it's got, it's a cool record, man. It's a, it's a real rock and roll record. That song in particular is kind of a cornerstone. I'm just really excited for people to hear it. I'm really proud of it, you know. So let's talk about some of the tracks then. Yes, it's a great, hard, absolutely great hard rock record. But what, since it was the last song that stuck out to me, because it's the last song I listened to, last song of the album, what is "Goodbye" about? Well, it's uh, it's it's an Elton John, Bernie Taupin song, and uh, it's the last song on uh, "Madman Across the Water." And uh, uh, I actually covered that song uh, when I did my last two shows before the before the world shut down in uh, December 2019 uh, did two shows in LA and we uh, we closed closed both nights uh, covering that song and you know Elton has always been a big influence of mine and and uh, uh, you know I, I just love the love the 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 body of work that that he and the band and Bernie put together, you know, over the years, and it's it's always remained really special and close to my heart. So, uh, we were actually talking, Tyler and I, uh, about doing a song kind of like that because of how my voice kind of fit with it. And he's like, "That's kind of different, you know, like not really a, like a rock tune or whatever, just kind of like a cool orchestrated simple piece that's really emotive like that." And and then and then he was like in the same same breath. Ah, oh, shit. Why don't we just, why don't we just record that? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, no, absolutely. Let's do it. So we did, uh, we, we, uh, uh, we had Paul Figueroa invited, uh, Vincent Jones, great keyboard player and, uh, arranger. And, uh, he came in and did the, uh, did the arrangement for that and knocked out the vocals and, and, uh, you know, wanted to, wanted to send it to Elton just, to just to get his okay on it. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel good putting something on my record unless he was okay with it, you know. And so I sent him the sent him the track, and he dug it, and uh, it occupies the same space that it occupies on the record that it came out on. It's the last song of Madman Across the Water, the ninth track, and on my record Brighton, it is the ninth song on the on the last track. Yeah. I guess I'm showing my age, and I should give back my classic rock card because, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm an Elton John fan, and yet that somehow didn't I didn't occur to me that that was a cover so I'll, I'll just it is one of his lesser known tunes and and and, I, and I'll 
and I'll give away a little secret, Elton told me, he told me, he's like, man, I forgot all about that tune. I had to Google it and, and see what record that was on. You know what? You made me feel better so, that the guy who wrote the song, felt, okay, okay. So there you go. Don't, don't feel so bad. Elton even forgot about it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. That, I was like sitting here shaking my head. I'm like, really? You know, wow, wow, wow. Uh, you know what? Since it's, we're talking about Elton and I know I don't have you here forever. Just a, a brilliant song, and I want to give credit to more listeners who sent in uh, questions. This is from uh, Erica Bromowitz and uh, State of America podcast, which is uh, a Black Rose podcast. So Elton played piano on Black Gives Way to Blue, that brilliant yes, he did. Alice in Chains song. Can you tell us how that happened? Yeah. Um, you know, we, 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 we started really s- slow and, and did like a, benef- uh, like a benefit show for the – for the tsunami relief, uh, as well as a lot of other artists around the world. And we thought it'd be, that would be a good reason for us to get back on stage and to, to kind of help out, uh, do our part and trying to raise money for people who were devastated from that event. And, uh, um, that's where it kind of started. And, and we started kind of after that started thinking about maybe making music again. And, uh, you know, we, we went through the process of a couple of years of doing some shows with uh, with uh, William Duvall and, and invited him in, and then we we started writing. And uh, I, I had this song, I I had this song uh, that I'd written for Lane and uh, Black Gives Way to Blue, and uh, it ended up being the title record, which was very appropriate, I believe, on our comeback record, and. Uh, I wanted piano on it because my fr- I think my friend uh, my Tim Dawson who used to be my my guitar tech played put some keys on it on the demo and we were thinking about you know who do we want to have play the piano on it and I think Todd Chuss I got to give credit to him Baldy our longtime assistant and Alice uh, he's like call Elton and I'm like I'm like yeah I think sure that dude's got better things to do than play piano on a backing track on somebody else's <laughs> record and he's like hey you never know unless you ask right. so i wrote him a little email and he got back to me and he listened to the song and he's like i really i love this song and i i really dig the sentiment you know of of uh you know you honoring laying and saying goodbye and, and moving forward yourselves you know and so that's how that all came about and i think it was the last song that we finished in that in that uh uh, session for that album and we all flew to las vegas where elton was and walking into the studio and seeing his piano in the middle of the room and seeing my lyrics on his piano was pretty pretty heavy yeah pretty, <laughs> pretty great wow yeah cool appreciate you sharing that um there was you told a funny story and obviously i'm sure you were able to you notice the name of the podcast appetite for distortion and we were talking about uh, yeah but you you told the i don't know maybe there's more to the story uh, I forget where it was, but you were telling a story about when you met Axl Rose in 1988, and you, you gave him a demo tape, yeah, and he threw it out. Like, yeah. what, what songs were on that? Is there any more you can elaborate, maybe, on that story? Have you ever spoken to him about it? Uh, I, I did speak to him about it in a, in a club in New York, and he actually came and came across a room we had never met before, uh, really, other than just kind of meeting backstage at the show in seattle at the arena uh where i where i gave him the demo tape i can't remember what was on it but uh uh you know like like i say they were they were an important band to us and you know that appetite is one of one of like a handful of records that is like one of those epic things that kind of uh 
transcends space and time in the band. You know, it's just like the you know worldwide massive record, and and it's perfect. You know, um, but I was in a club. I think it was with Billy Duffy in New York, and uh, and Axel came in, and uh, I saw him come in, and he kind of like locked eyes with me, and I'm like. And then he kind of just started walking toward me, like with a purpose. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. And like, and he comes over and he's like, he's like, uh, uh, I heard you tell that story about me giving you that demo, uh, you giving me a demo tape. Are you, are you still with that girl that you, that you, that you met there? Cause I had told the story. That's where I met my girlfriend, Courtney at the time. Okay. And, and, uh, he was, he was more curious if I was still with, with Courtney. It's <laughs> pretty cool. And, okay. And, uh, yeah, we chatted for a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those kind of fun things, you know. You go, you uh, you know, you're proud of your band when you're kind of unknown, and and they were pretty damn huge, you know. And uh, you know, kids, folk, you know, people still give me their demo tapes all the time too. Mm-hmm. It's old school. Here, check check out some stuff, you know. It's we used to pass around demo tapes uh, amongst each other, and that's how we kind of learned about other bands and yeah. and uh, back in the back in the day before you could just do it all electronically, you know? Very, very true. And I want to yeah. give credit to a uh, listener fan of yours, uh, Leah Peters from Germany for that question. Uh, and I got this from Twitter to go back to, you know, uh, what you're doing currently. Uh, Papa Pucci, this is such a weird handle. Uh, Papa Pucci, sorry, <laughs> and Riff Lord Cantrell. Uh, if you could yeah. please ask, since he's so polite, uh, who is the opening band for the J.C. Brighton tour, which is happening next year you know knock on wood and all that fun stuff yeah well i we intend to uh we intend to go out and throw down on this uh on this record starting in march and uh uh i'm sure we'll uh figure out a way to make it happen um i am considering a few bands right now but uh, i have not decided on one so i i i don't have anything etched in stone as a matter of fact, I don't have the whole band etched in stone because most of the folks that played on the record have their own bands and and are on tour, like Mr. McKagan. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Now. So I'd love to have him, but but uh, uh, we'll, we'll 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 see. You know, I, I do have I, I do think that uh, uh, Greg Pichotto, uh from Dillinger's who who sang with me on the record. I think oh, cool. he's going to be. Rolling with me, I believe Gil Pichotto, uh, Gil, Gil Pichotto, Gil Sharon. Sorry, Gil. Uh, Greg got a double, got a double pump there. Uh, Gil Sharon, who was also in Dillinger Escape Plan, is going to be on drums, I think. Uh, and Tyler Bates is threatening to to leave his his studio, writing soundtracks for movies, and come out and play some guitar with me too. So uh, those, you know, that's that's four of us, and we we've, we've got a probably probably get a bass player and maybe somebody play to play keys or strings or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. We still got a little time. We'll figure it out. I think it was smart of you to, you know, announce it now and wait until next year because of just all the uncertainty. Was was that the thought process going into it or was it just the natural of like hey, we're releasing an album in the fall, this is when we're going to tour because of the apocalypse, everything that's going on. It's just it's difficult. Yeah. It's it's definitely a weird time. You know, I've I've uh, I've been rolling around for 55 years, so you know we've we've gone through some pretty tumultuous times in our history, and we probably will again. But mm-hmm. uh, things over the last few years have certainly been been strange. But uh, you know, you got to roll with it and figure it out. Um, you know, Sean and I talked about it uh, during when when things started to really kick in, and we started to kind of see 
how serious this was going to be and and try to project how it was going to affect you know uh the world and also what we did in it and uh you know we uh we as alice and then i i also as myself thought you know we we thought it would be probably wiser just to give it another year and see how things shake out you know and uh so uh, uh, I was intending this record to be out September last year, oh, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, that's all right, you know. We're we're gonna see see what happens. Uh, I think Alice may be talking about doing some shows next year too. So, should be a fun, a fun and very busy year for me. So I'll be out touring <laughs> touring this record and doing some doing some shows probably with Alice as well. Okay, so, cool. You beat yeah. me to the punch. I was going to ask uh, what uh, Alice yeah. Chains has in, in the in the future. So since I got Yeah, we're we're we're, talk, we're talking about it. We we're we're trying to plan something up with another band and uh, go out and do a do a fun tour maybe next year. Awesome. Well, Jerry, I hope to see you on the road solo. Uh well, not not technically solo as we've discussed, but with your <laughs> your band uh <laughs> Alice in Chains, you know, when you come to the New York area. Uh, this was such, such standing a with a bunch of other dudes, yeah, <laughs> of the regular dudes. Hey, and my, then you can see me stand with the regular dudes too. I'll yeah. bring my fiance. It's okay. I, <laughs> she's a Dave Matthews fan. I got to bring her to the dark side. There you go. Come on. Oh, Dave Matthews isn't he from? Uh, are, are you friends with him? Isn't he like in Seattle? Isn't he have like a home in Seattle? I've met Dave a few times. He's cool, man. He's a he's a good songwriter. I I, I like Dave's vibe. All right, my fiance will be surprised and glad that I asked that. So uh, thank you so yeah. much, Jerry. This was an honor. I hope we get to do this again. No problem, man. Anytime. How cool was he? I'm never too cool to admit when I'm nervous, and I was nervous. But right away, his his voice was just super friendly, and all my you know, my nerves just kind of went away and I was able to do my thing and just awesome. So I hope to get to do it again, not just for my own sake, but for your sake, because a lot of questions you asked and I can only get to so much, but I appreciate all the questions submitted on, on social media. And if you follow on social media, I was initially hoping episode 300, I put it out there, would be Fernando Labase, the manager of Guns N' Roses. And I never really had a belief that would happen. And just because I've never made contact with him over the years of doing this podcast, 300 episodes in. And if you go back a few episodes ago, I did the Don't Ban Me episode with uh, Rick Dunford. And I, con- and I explained just what had been going on behind the scenes about interviewing guests. And I'll tell you, you know, this was another guest. Because this is just, I have to let you know that it's, it could, it's affecting the show, maybe. It, it affects me. It affects you, the listener. And, and perhaps a bit of communication from... It doesn't necessarily have to be on the podcast, but I just would love some communication so I don't have to be nervous about Jerry Cantrell canceling on me because there's a, a Guns N' Roses connection. Because that's happened to me before, which I don't need to go down that rabbit hole again. But just... Uh, you know, even though episode 300 is Jerry Cantrell, even though, I mean, wow, it's a high standard. But the point being, my the invitation to Fernando is open-ended. Whenever he wants to come on, beta 2, let's make it a family affair, and let's just talk about whatever they want to talk about. Just to come on and, and share their personalities. That's it. Nothing crazy. I'm not going to push you for, for anything. You know, just like with Jerry Cantrell, I could have asked him all these things that would be potentially inappropriate or just wouldn't make sense to ask them 
now in this interview when we're talking about different things. And I'm just not that guy. I'm, I'm just not. I'm not that interviewer. And it was nice to get to know Jerry's publicist uh, the day before we did this interview because it had to be rescheduled. We had a certain we had a time set, and this this stuff happens. And I was on the line with his publicist, who was going to connect both of us on the phone. And we're just talking, talking, buying time. He's checking to see if he, he can get Jerry every now and then, every ten minutes. <laughs> Ends up being like a half an hour. We're on the phone with each other, and it's just very cool to get the perspective of a publicist and what they look for in an interviewer. And you know, even when we had to postpone it just today but in my head as well i'm bringing up this um what i i guess i'm gonna call just gnr paranoia about booking guests about just because i thought maybe it had been canceled because of um what had been out there what's been out there third hand because i've never spoken again firsthand to any of the um, members of team brazil that certain people aren't allowed on my podcast i mean they your Bumblefoot will go on other people's podcasts to talk about Guns N' Roses, but something about being on a Guns N' Roses-themed podcast that makes it weird. And that again, he's not the first person to say that, nor the last. And at a certain point, I don't really... Because he's a nice dude. He's a really good guy. And same thing with uh, Kat, the photographer for GNR. She seems really awesome. Would do this podcast if it wasn't a... GNR themed podcast would want to be interviewed by me if this wasn't Appetite for Distortion. That's why my Duff interview was canceled. I don't even know if Duff knows about it. It was just a management decision. So to hear the perspective of the um, the the PR people, and also I got to speak to one of his management people a few days before. So it was I was vetted. You know, everyone was very friendly, but I was vetted. And everyone was excited for a jury to talk to me. So that's what made it, you know, calm me down a little bit where I'm like, oh, I'm getting paranoid. Oh, did Jerry cancel on me? No, they said management, we, he's, they're excited. No, no, it's fine. And with that in mind, uh, I know it's no relation. And there were some fun, fun comments from, from you, the AFD show listener, about Matt Sorum being postponed. Oh, management got to him. Well, <laughs> he has nothing to do with GNR anymore. But you never know who's still friends. But it's circling around in my mind. But I have to calm down, realize I'm in therapy. I'm on medication. Everything's going to be okay. And the date is for the, the Matt Sorum reschedule is still TBD to be decided. So that's the, the, the best way, the best reason, I say, to follow on social media is to get your questions in so I can ask them to Jerry Cantrell to ask them to Matt Sorum so you can find out about these interviews in between the podcasts. That's how the conversation continues. So again, the if you haven't heard, new Twitter, at the AFD podcast. I made the mistake of sharing my own Guns N' Roses concert videos from, I think, both MetLife and maybe Hershey Park. There, Many of you are sharing your videos from this, this tour, but Twitter said, uh-uh. We're going to warn you twice, and even though we'll just say, well, we won't, we'll block the video, not to even remove the tweets, And but if you do it one more time, we won't tell you. Maybe it's in the, the fine print, I don't know. But to wake up to all my followers, oh, everything gone, <laughs> oh, God. So uh, whatever, worst things can happen. We still have the podcast. 
And it's not like I had, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. So just let's get back to where we were. That's where I want to be. Okay. So at the AFD podcast, that's how you can submit reviews or submit applications to do a review, I should say, on this Guns N' Roses tour. And if I'm getting all these new people that have been saying they've been listening to the podcast since day one, and it's the first time I'm meeting them, and it's awesome. So if I can give you an avenue, a platform to, an experience rather, to talk about Guns N' Roses, your experience, to give your review of the show, and I want to expand it eventually, and, and hit me up with ideas. I really don't have a set schedule in my brain. It's kind of, this is my own thing. And I do what I think is best at that time. <laughs> it may not always be the best thing, but I try. So if you want to submit, like I got some requests about talking about what it's like to be an Australian Guns N' Roses fan. Some of the, the big Aussie shows that have happened down under. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to do that for a lot of countries. What are some of the big, like my fans in the UK, the listeners in the UK, Scotland, all these other countries that I'm just, I've, I may never visit, which pains me to say. Give us that experience. What is that like? So that may continue, assuming GNR continues this like of the tour and going overseas, so we can do reviews of the actual shows. But let's go in the past, like we did with the riots, the riot reviews. <laughs> Those were a lot of fun. So as we continue, as we get guests like Jerry Cantrell, Glenn Hughes, I mean, just awesome, awesome people, we're going to get you, who are also awesome. You just may not have a Wikipedia page or be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all those things, which is no slight to you. You are still awesome. Sorry, I just watched that, that Blue's Clues thing. I don't know if any of you, as I have the Mr. Mailstone thing, I w don't worry, I won't play it, but I, that's where I got it from, Blue's Clues, and they just, that just came out. Nostalgia, Steve, Steve from Blue's Clues all these years later. So that's what this, this place is, is Nostalgia. Talking about GNR and in the current, because GNR is an active entity. Remember when they weren't? So this is good times in GNR land, I think. So uh, again, the best way to keep up to date with the contests, a contest, I wish, maybe one day we'll do, up to date with the, with the guests, up to date with the reviews. If you want to submit, social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show, new Twitter at the AFD podcast, Instagram, Appetite for Distortion, and please follow on YouTube, our YouTube channel. Uh, just find Appetite for Distortion on YouTube. So until the next episode, next guest, next review, when will that be? Well, the words of Axl Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. Yeah! Security, I'm going home.